Kate, you guys can sit down. Thank you, Haley and uh, Macy. I got your name right, not Callie, Macy. Uh, well, hello, my name is Scott Waits. I'm the high, high life director, the high school director, um, and David and I drew straws as to who would preach, and I won, so I get to preach, um, and you get to hear me. So, um, just wanted to say a couple things before um, I get started. Uh, there, there's gonna be a, a point in here where I talk about my wife and how we uh, feel like Parkway is home. I, I've had, I'm, seven, eight, nine people come up to me uh, today and just say, hey, I've been praying for you this week, been praying for your family, been thinking about you. Thank you so much. Um, I, I'm sure Adam or Dan or, or, or the people that, that preach here um, can tell you like that, that means a lot to me. Not because I, I'm praying for, for this message, I'm praying for, for you guys this week and to know that you're also doing the same for me, I, that makes me feel like this is home. Um, so thank you. Um, and to all the, the students um, that, have, that have helped, that have volunteered, thank you guys uh, to, to show that we are a part of this body as well. Well, let's pray one more time. Lord, I just ask that as we enter your word today that you give me the words to speak, uh, that, that I would not speak um, what's on my brain, but that you would give me your words. God, we just thank you for uh, the privilege and the blessing that is to have church on a Sunday morning outside in your, uh, your glorious creation, God. So we just ask, ask for these things in your name. Amen. Uh, so uh, the youth ministries just went to Hume Lake. Uh, has anyone gone to Hume that's not in youth ministries? Like you, you went to Hume growing up or you took students there as a leader? A lot, of, a lot of us. I know you don't have to raise your hand, but a lot of us. So we just went to Hume Lake summer camps a few weeks ago, um, and we had chapel outside this year. It was a nice change of pace. There was a big LED screen behind us um, for the, the high school students and for the junior hires. And there were these large, large trees, massive trees that held up these huge uh, shade sails for the high school. Um, and these uh, shade sails were uh, anchored into these trees with large, thick cable so that in the wind they wouldn't blow away or if it rained, which it did twice, uh, they wouldn't uh, collapse. These, uh, these trees fit a particular job, right? There's a requirement. You had to be big. You had to be strong. The cable had to go around some smaller trees that wouldn't hold up the weight of this sail. So these trees fit this specific characteristic. They were probably 75, 100 feet tall, four feet in diameter. They were, they were big trees. A good piece of wood fits the characteristics for the job required. They're not too tall. They're not too short. They're not broken or splintered or rotten. They are strong, solid, and perfect fit. Like these large trees at Hume that fit the requirements to hold these heavy sails, the job of uh, the Christian, the requirements for living a Christian life, uh, we have certain, certain requirements for living a, a Christian life. And today, Paul is going to give us three characteristics, three tasks for Christian living in Philippians 1, 28, 27 and 28. But before I think we, we get into those three requirements, those three tasks, I think it's important to set the context for the letter uh, that Paul writes to the church in Philippi. So um, there, there's a certain trials, there were certain uh, hardships that the church was facing and that Paul was facing. So the, the first trial that the church was facing was that there were multiple different types of opponents to the church, multiple different types of opponents to the church. Um, earlier in verse 15 in chapter one, 
Uh, Paul writes that there were Roman authorities that were putting uh, people in prison, put Paul in prison for preaching the gospel. Other opponents uh, were just people that were proclaiming the gospel for their own selfish ambition. So they were maybe disparaging Paul's name and they were uh, going out trying to get their own followers. Um, Actually, just the the Roman culture as a whole with pagan gods and uh, practices were opponents to the church. And uh, lastly, there were people that converted to Christianity, but they still wanted to follow the old Jewish traditions. That's why Paul talks about um, beware of uh, the dogs and people that mutilate the flesh. Um, And lastly, there were, uh, there was just division in the church as a, as a whole. What specifically Paul doesn't say, but I, I, I gather and I assume that all of these opponents cause division. All of these opponents cause division. But church, Parkway Community Church, 2021, nearly 2,000 years after that letter was written, doesn't that feel eerily similar doesn't that feel like it could have maybe be uh, the context for which we are operating in today? We're facing the same issues today that the readers of this letter were facing a couple thousand years ago. A cultural hostility by authorities, pressure by modern culture to conform to their way of thinking, and just general opposition to the truth, to the gospel. Politics, gender issues, COVID, whatever, whatever is going on causes division in the church far too often today. The truth is we need the truth. We need the gospel. We need to be reminded of the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul tells us in, later on in chapter 3, to write the same things to you is no trouble to me, and it is safe for you. In hard times, we need to be reminded of the gospel. In hard times, we need to be reminded of the gospel. The church cannot forget that at one time we were dead in our sin, following the course of the world, the prince of the power of the air, living in the passions of our flesh, by nature children of wrath. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love, even while we were still dead in our sin, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, we have been saved. Why? So that in the coming ages he might show us his immeasurable riches of grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. That was God's plan before the foundation of the world was even set. That was God's plan. So there's no amount of virus or smoke or drought or housing crisis or distance learning that's going to throw off God's plan for salvation. And there's no amount of virus or smoke or drought or housing crisis or distance learning that's going to slow uh, God from showing his grace toward us in Jesus Christ. And there's no amount of persecution or, or hostility or opposition or division that's going to slow us from living our lives in a manner worthy of this gospel. As a church, that's what we believe. As a Christian family, that's what we believe. So this begs the question, How does one live their life in a manner worthy of this gospel? Again, I think Paul lays out three clear tasks for the believer. The first one in verse 27 is to stand firm. And this standing firm has has an essence, has a connotation of uh, being ready, like like a defense, have a defensive stance. 
There's five other times Paul uses um, the phrase uh, in one spirit. So he says, stand firm in one spirit. There's five times Paul uses that phrase, uh, one spirit. Four of them mean the one Holy Spirit. One time he means the one spirit united in Christ. So when Paul says, stand firm in one spirit, I think what he's trying to say is stand firm, united in the one Christ that uh, you can have salvation and united in the one Holy Spirit. Similarly, being of one mind in verse 27 refers to the whole person, their soul, their inner being. It's, it's the very essence that makes you a human being, the person you are. Paul tells us to be on the same page for why we live our lives in a manner worthy of the gospel. There's, there's, no, there's no division. There's no separation. There's no, well, we do things this way and we're going to do things this way. No, we're all in this together, hand in, no. Okay, that was High School Musical. Some of you caught it. Sorry, I'm a youth pastor. Like, I'm used to having people yell at me and, like, sing with me. So this is, you know, this is very, calmness is odd in my life. I'm just going to put that out there. Okay. So uh, speaking of basketball, I'm a Kings fan. Boo. Okay, whatever. Uh, I'm a Kings fan. And there were, the NBA draft happened while we were at summer camp. And the Kings, with the ninth pick in the first round, took a guard, a, def- a guard whose main job is uh, defense. His nickname is Off Night, meaning when he guards you, you have an off night. He's that good at defense. Now, I don't think this guy comes out the first game of the NBA in, in the NBA and guards people like this. No, that's not a defensive stance. That's not a stance ready to play the game. As Christians, we are called to stand firm in being united in one spirit and one mind. Not sitting around kind of like this, so that when the attacks of the world and the devil moves, you're caught off guard. One mind and one spirit ready for those attacks. The second task that Paul calls us to is to strive side by side together for the faith of the gospel. Striving uh, side by side has this connotation of struggling together, like, like, like a sports team in the dead heat of summer, getting ready for their season or, or still playing their games. You struggle together. You don't get to just watch your brother or sister struggling and not come alongside them and pick them up. You don't get to see someone uh, or not see someone for a long time and think, ah, I don't need to give them, I, I, don't, I don't need to reach out. We struggle side by side together. There's something special about having open, honest relationships together as believers. This is why small groups are important. This is why Adam's been working hard at getting our small groups back up and running for the fall because we need them. We need these relationships striving side by side together. Uh, My wife and I, Emily, recently joined a small group at the Hanks' house. uh, And there's a few other uh, couples that have kids in that small group. And about a month ago, she was leading worship on stage. And uh, it was at the end of that time. And the person, I think it was me, came up to do uh, the announcements and the benediction. And she was just sitting kind of in the back holding her guitar and she looks out and she makes eye contact with somebody from our small group, uh, Ben Davis. And if you know Ben, uh, there's a reason that he's uh, in the occupation that he is. There's a reason he's a leader. He's calm, he's welcoming, and he just gave Emily this, the most just disarming smile to make her feel comfortable. 
And it was at that moment, a year and a half, almost two years after coming to Parkway, that my wife realized that this was our home, that we had people here that knew us and that love us. And not, not just knew us on a surface level, but knew what we're struggling with, knew how they could be praying for us, knew what they could be helping us with. And the reverse is also true. They also let us into their lives, into their homes. Side by side, striving side by side. Again, you cannot be disunified. There, there's no option to do the Christian life alone. We have to be striving, struggling side by side together. So with, with that being said, if, if you're watching at home or you're here and you're newer and you haven't had the time to sit down with a pastor or an elder and just communicate, get to know someone on staff. We're, we're sorry. COVID has been very uh, hard and been strenuous in that sense. Just do us a favor. Find Adam, find someone on staff, connect with us after the service, shoot us an email, call us, text us. We want to be meeting with everyone in the church as often as possible. We want to be communicating, connecting, and knowing how we can be praying for you. Because we are a family and brothers and sisters, family, we, we don't let our family members suffer in silence. So please reach out to us. Don't be afraid to do that. And Paul's last point is about fear. He says to not be frightened by your opponents. This is their sign of destruction, but a clear sign to you of your salvation. Jesus specifically mentions those people who uh, fall away from the faith due to fear. He calls them the rocky soil. They hear the word, they receive it, they bear fruit for a time, but when uh, trials and tribulations come, they immediately fall away. We are called to be the good soil, those that hear the word and accept it and bear fruit. This is why Paul says in the sentence uh, after, uh, or in the, the second half of 28, this is a clear sign of their destruction, but of your salvation, that from God. This does not mean that you won't feel fear. Of course, you're going to, to feel afraid sometime. Am I going to be able to make my mortgage payment? Am I going to be able to send my kids to school this year? What am I going to have to do with my uh, parents as they are aging? And I, am I going to have to take care of them? The pressures of this world will squeeze in. And when they do, the believer turns to the Lord for, to, to sustain us. You don't turn back to the old ways, like the Jews that were recruiting people to go back to the old ways. So I, I think this message has a, a couple of audiences. First of all, it, if you are someone that has heard the gospel, even just in passing briefly, but you didn't accept it, you didn't let it change your life. The, the, these, these instructions from Paul mean nothing to you. There's, there's no benefit for you unless you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It would be like you are a, uh, a, a giant red, redwood tree in a forest, but in your head, you think that you're a piece of moss on the ground. Well, that, do, that doesn't make sense. The gospel changes your life. If you are a giant, beautiful, strong redwood tree, then that's how you are supposed to act. God sees you as perfectly beautiful and ready to be a child 
of God. So don't keep sinning. That is not what you are made to do. If you are a giant redwood tree, you don't act like a piece of moss. No, you don't roll around on the ground and get all dirty. You're a giant redwood tree. You're beautiful and strong. Don't keep sinning. Turn from that and stand firm. Strive together with your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ and don't be frightened by the opposition that comes. There's a God that wants you and he knows what's best for you. He knows what is best for you. So accept him, turn to him, and fulfill your purpose as a child of God. The second audience would be the believer. If you do call God Father, then the, the edict is clear. Live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel. Live your life in a manner worthy of the most powerful message in the universe. Stand firm. Strive side by side with your fellow brothers and sisters. Do not be frightened when opposition comes because of the gospel. Again, the scripture is clear. If God is for us, who, who could possibly be against us? If we have the almighty, all-powerful God on our side, what do we have to really be afraid of? Because at the end of the day, the end of the day, we know where we're going. We know where our hope lies. It's in Christ. Let's pray. God, we thank you for Paul's words of wisdom. And I just pray them over our church. I pray that we stand firm. I pray that we strive side by side together. And I pray that we don't fear the opponents to the gospel because you are with us and you are our father. I thank you for showing us your grace and kindness toward us in Jesus Christ. And I pray for all of us here that are not believers, that they would see that today, that they would turn from their old ways and call you Father. We ask for this in your name. Amen.